Hello listeners. Welcome to season 2 of the Masters Decoded podcast. I am Anish Merchant, the chief decoder. I want to thank you for the overwhelming response to season 1. Your feedback and encouragement led me to bring you season 2 of the Masters Decoded. The season will tap into how technology, artificial intelligence and other socio-economic factors have impacted my guest careers or passions. My next guest on today's episode is Saima Rehman. Saima is an award-winning radio jockey and is associated with Radio Mirchi for the last 18 years. She has completed her Masters of Philosophy in Social Work from Miranda Hague, Delhi University. We spoke about radio, Urdu and philosophy during the conversation and it has been a far enriching conversation. Without much further ado, let me get on with it. Hi Saima, welcome to Masters Decoded second season. Thank you so much for having me on this wonderful show that I've been listening to for so long now. Great Saima and uh, people who don't know about you, you are a pretty big advocate to a language which I believe is losing its essence in the modern times, which is Urdu. Uh, so I would love to hear how your affection your passion towards urdu really started off anis urdu is my mother tongue and uh, i did not realize the beauty of this language till a uh, few years back because i went to a sikh school so formally i learned english hindi and gurmukhi um so i can read and write in gurmukhi and uh, you know i i basically used to sing shabads and kirtans in gurudwaras and schools because i was interested in singing um and i never ever um really got the inclination to learn my own language it was a given it was almost like how we call it ghar ki murghi dal barabar so hmm. but but i used to realize that when people in my school used to speak to me uh, even my teachers they would be enamored by Uh, the sound of uh, the way we used to speak somebody used to call us uh, some people would call us kashmiris some people would call us lucknowis and i couldn't understand why would they you know what is so different about me speaking than a harpreet speaking mm-hmm. and since we were the only you know me my brother and sister we were the only muslims in uh, that sikh school uh, wow. my teachers would actually ask me to um, sit on the um staff room desk and uh, just talk okay that's a great uh, honor as well as fame yeah, yeah, as a at, young person but at, at that point of time i used to feel very uncomfortable that you know i'm speaking normally i'm speaking the way i speak to ammi and the way i speak to abbu but there was something different about it and later i realized that uh, uh, that's what actually got me into perhaps uh, um, radio that is what got me into public speaking um, that is what uh, and 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 then i realized that see if if um, subconsciously i have learned uh, a language that is so beautiful as a part of my culture i should be making some uh, you know conscious efforts to make it better hmm. and i think the entire right now all the eff- whether it's poetry or urdu ki paathshala it's basically you know um 
carrying the journey of learning together. We're doing a group study because I cannot call myself a teacher. I'm not qualified to be called a teacher, but I feel that life is too short. Whatever I have learned today, if I share it with you know my friends and people who are listening to me or people who have intonation or who find this language beautiful, if I share my knowledge, they'll they'll also learn along with me. So I'm actually doing like a group study with them when I do an Urdu ki paatshala or poetry. I'm certainly not a teacher, just not an authority on the language or poetry. But yes, I'm a keen learner, and I feel there are many out there. Rightly pointed out that the language is. so unique and beautiful uh, even uh, a person uh, and there is a foundation now rekta foundation which has taken on itself to promote urdu in a big way and i have seen you participating in one of those uh, the i would not call it an exhibition but the shows which they have once in a year uh, and you know i i have seen a lot of folk typically urdu would relate to a particular religion which is islam but you know in that rekta foundation i know a lot of my friends i've never been there but a lot of non islam friends have been there and they rave about rekta foundation so the language doesn't define religion and religion doesn't define language and it is a beautiful language which uh, you know i would agree to when you hear it it just sounds beautiful oh absolutely anish language has got nothing to do with any religion language um, is spoken in the cultural context and yeah. uh, uh, you know um, urdu originated in india and mm. uh, uh, it's uh, it's 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 closer to perhaps the arabic or the persian this thing and that's why people kind of uh, relate it uh, to a particular religion which is absolutely foolish because uh, i mean i know of uh, muslims who speak uh, a very very uh, regional languages and that's their own and yep. um, uh, you know so many so so yeah i mean all this all this divide of poor languages being dragged you know by religious sect saying this is mine and that is yours is just yeah. just just uh, very yeah funny i think language is culture and yep. here in india it kind of changes after every few kilometers so mm. yeah Yeah, and you know, yes. Uh, one thing that I really want to add here, Anis, because you said in your um, beginning introduction that uh, you uh, you noticed it because you think Urdu is fading away or dying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd like to challenge that because uh, Urdu is a language of love. Uh, yeah. It is a language of pain, and these are constant emotions of human beings. uh so so it will it cannot die one second um a language uh, or the prominence or fading away of any language also is a reflection on how the civilization is progressing okay? right uh we uh, we we do look for uh, soft spoken civilized souls which are again becoming uh, far and fewer in that's the society right. around and uh, and and that's that's how we look at the language also because that is the context we're talking about so um, language is nothing but uh, and as as the uh, as the emotions and um, context of love harmony brotherhood uh, all these things are actually alive 
we're still alive, but they are they 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 are faced with a challenge to survive. Hmm. You know, yep. to 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 um to stay strong. Yep. And any language in all languages who would uh actually complement those emotions and those contexts would also seem like you know getting faded away, but that's not the case. Yeah. The only thing is the need um the need to be brought back. In fact, this is the time. Let me just also say this that this is the time when. Urdu seems more beautiful than what it is. Yep. Because of so much of darkness around, you see a little light, and you 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 truly learn to value it, and you you say, yep. "Oh my God, there is a ray of light." So I think you know that's how we're perceiving the language. But yes, uh, we have lots of challenges, but these are the things which never die. I mean, love, harmony, brotherhood, beauty, uh, romance, pain—they would never die. I agree. It it really invokes uh, a lot of sentiments. Uh, people, you know, and I personally, uh, when you know, when you're down or when you when you need that zeal of um, uh, emotions or extra motivation, Urdu is the language. Uh, and there are a lot of good poets uh, who've done a great job. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have deep meaning in that uh, poet, which it takes time to understand. Uh, but you said one thing which I want to double click. Uh, you said you are not a qualified teacher. You may not be a qualified teacher in Urdu. Uh, it, I believe that's what you meant. Yeah. Uh, but you you do have a degree of lecturer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's the challenge back to you. But uh, and if I look at what you are currently doing, is you are a recognized radio jockey in India. Uh, hmm. How being a lecturer. To being a radio jockey, where did that all begin? Anish, today I can actually answer the, this question because you can always look back and join the dots of your life. But uh, and that's why I I always say this that uh, sometimes it's important to go with the flow because you 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 might not know uh, where you wish to go. In my life, uh, I uh, I had clarity about what I will not do. Rather than hmm. what I would do, okay. Okay. And um, so um, it all began with, uh, and I have never gone looking for things, but when opportunities come my come my way, then I do not say no very easily. Okay. Hmm. I I actually see uh, them as opportunities. So what had happened was that when I was in school, my father was an associate professor of English in Delhi University, so he was a lecturer, okay. and. Uh, so just like uh, you know uh, any any child i also wanted to become a lecturer so i was i was pretty determined that i would one day become a lecturer and that is what i was aiming at and i was a kind of kid who would be very organized about what i want to achieve with you know with the dates in the sense that by let's say by october i should have achieved this and by so and so whatever so i had made an excel sheet where i had hmm. actually written down uh that this is the this is the year in which i would become a lecturer and i remember i was in class 10th and uh i was um, taking a stroll outside there was load shedding and there was no electricity so uh, my father my abbu uh and i we were taking a stroll outside and i asked my father i said abbu uh, when do you think you're going to get me married hmm. 
So he looked Interesting. At, he looked at me and he said, why do you ask? So I said, hmm. because listen, I'm in 10th right now, class 10th. So I need to figure out um, uh, the years that I will fully be able to like take my own decisions and not consider other things. Uh, so if you're telling me that I have, let's say five years, then I would plan my five years accordingly. And then I would, you know, uh, look ahead. So he, mm. he just smiled and he said, how do I know when you would get married? I said, even mm. you don't know. I was very, you know, disappointed because everything in life for me was like an Excel sheet. Mm. You know, I, sh- I should, I should know about everything and I should be able to plan and stuff. So yeah, I, I was that, I was that organized and uh, that Excel sheeted in my um, head. But so, so I had to become a lecturer and I was doing everything to become mm. that. But I also, when I was in class seventh, I had developed um, a passion, uh, I would say, or an interest at that point of time to work on my um, oration because I used to listen to all India. I mean, that was the only thing that was played yep. uh, in my house for the consumption of news. And whenever Abu would hear news on the radio, it would always begin with, this is all India radio, the news read by so-and-so. And, so. and mm. I, I started dreaming about one day when the radio would uh, play, this is all India radio, the news read by Saima Rahman. So oh, I, wanted to, okay. I wanted to get there. And I started, mm. and I started doing my um, you know, practice sessions at home. I used to sit with the newspaper every evening and I would read the newspaper like a news reader, always starting with this is all in the radio, the news read by Saima Rahman. And uh, so it began there, but you know, that was my area of interest. Okay. And uh, I wasn't giving it uh, a lot of attention, but I used to read for hours together and not realize. Um, and when I was in class 12, I remember my father getting a karaoke system home for the first time we had Okay. Something like a mic and radio, and he mm-hmm. very categorically told us that nobody is going to operate it without his permission. And uh, like a, a typical kid, if you were asked not to do something, you would venture <laughs> into that. So yeah. my father was leaving for his classes, and he left. And I, um, I started speaking in the mic, and I started recording myself. And obviously, I said, "This is all India radio, the news read by whatever," and started reading the newspaper. And my father had forgotten his wallet, so he came back all of a sudden. And I saw him, and I freaked, and I stopped the recording. And um, uh, no, I was playing uh, my recording back when he entered, and I stopped it. And he he almost you know yelled at me, saying, "Whenever there is news on radio, you never switch off the radio." Oh, interesting. And, and I looked at him with a lot of pride, and I said. Well, that was the news that was my recording. Okay. So my father is, uh, you know, a miser when it comes to paying compliments, especially to his own daughters and sons. So hmm. he looked at me and he just said, oh, not bad. His <laughs> not bad was like, my God, my, you know, trophy. So I called hmm. up All India Radio, I remember. I called up All India Radio and I said, uh, and there was a guy, uh, there was a male voice uh, at the other end. And I said, listen, I need to become a news reader. So he Mm. said, okay, what do you do? I said, I'm in class 12th. So he said, oh, kid, you need to wait for three more years because you can only take an audition of a newsreader if you're a graduate. 
and i was like my god you just like broke my dream i don't think i can wait for 3 years so he, i think he kind of caught the excitement in my voice and he directed me to a section which was meant for teenagers okay. and then uh, i think uh, within that week i reached all india radio took the audition in that teenager section wala thing i cleared it and i started doing shows for jugwani um, as they call it in the anticipation that the, the 3 years will pass by and then i'll take the audition of a news reader so to, to cut the mm. long story short anis i got into the pipeline and all this i was doing with a very conscious mind of becoming a lecturer so i was pretty okay. good in my studies and i was among the top students and i was prepping for everything um mm. and i got admission in miranda house here in sociology honors and then i went on to do my masters in social work and stuff and then i cleared my national eligibility test which made me qualify with me um, you know uh, which was a qualification for a lecturer uh, and and in the meantime i was doing my radio but that was my passion i never used to talk about it i never used to talk about the fact that uh, the entire day i'm attending college and uh, the entire night i'm in the radio station doing shows and duties and um, you know having sleepless nights but i was very happy i wasn't tired uh, mm. I was following my heart without a plan. Okay, interesting. And uh, I was following my career with a lot of mind. Mm. And there came a point in uh, um, uh, in uh, one of the years when I was awarded as the best radio jockey of uh, the entire country, and that was the only radio awards. Wow! And that was the year when I, I had to take a call. Hmm. whether i would uh, and i actually joined my department to my department of social work as a guest lecturer and i used to you know the only time students would take me seriously would be when i would go into the classroom and say all right let's begin the class so you know that base <laughs> yeah. yeah other than that i had started doing a, a purani jeans show on radio mirchi and all my students would come and say listen ma'am look at us i'm wearing a pair of purani jeans i'm never going to be seriously yeah so okay. yeah so that was the year when i decided that all right so there is a profession which is giving me so much of respect i mean it just happened by fluke it didn't mm. happen by fluke i worked like tirelessly for it but when you're yeah. following your passion you you have no sense of time and hard work that goes into it right so i completely agree so that's how the thing and i did my masters in social work and it's very important to remember because now i i'm able to understand at that point of time when i was leaving my lectureship um and from mphil i did not go for phd and stuff i was mm-hmm. i i used to ask myself what did i do did i just waste my entire education because i'm getting into radio yeah. what was the use of doing uh, you know uh, and i was i was in scholarship so i did my mphil on scholarship because i got junior research fellowship from delhi university wow said, you know all my all my teachers told me what what are you doing shama you are a bright student how can you go into radio hmm. but anyways you know i i was i i was just asking myself that there is a field which has given me such a huge recognition it's giving me money hmm. uh and uh, uh, you know Uh, and it and it's my passion you know it's my heart's mm. calling and should i leave it just because uh, i had decided in my mind that i will become a lecturer well i wanted to become a lecturer i became 
Now, should I go that way just because it is my zid? Yeah. And that's when I decided, no. I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, uh, get into any decision which is like a reaction or just a, just a, I always call it zid. That's, mm. That was the first time I listened to my heart. And today, Yanni, all my education, mm. whatever I did, master's in social work and the principles of social work that I, I am doing all of that okay. on, ra- on radio and social media. And we'll touch more about that because uh, there's one thing which I, which really intrigues me because today technology has evolved and has connected people like you who are on the radio more visually than it was earlier very audio centric. Uh, like in your own college, your students knew that you were on the radio, but many of us who didn't have any means to connect with you. Uh, mm-hmm. We would only listen to you, and and it's not just listen to you. Uh, you know, Amitani and all of them. They would come on TVs, and you know, the Durdashan and all of that, and we could see them. But there were right. many other radio jockeys who didn't have that opportunity. So if you ever listen to your show or anybody else's show, uh, we would only, in our mind, think, okay, how would you look or anybody look? And when you are expressing those emotions, uh, or or thoughts. Uh, mm. or sharing some perspectives, whether it's on a political situation or a social or econo- economic or any of those situations, mm. we would just relate to it uh, more uh, with our eyes closed and just putting on our uh, years to work. Uh, and, you know, those years were very fundamental for radio to where it is today. Uh, mm. Do you like it, the transition which has happened in the last decade with radio specifically and y'all able to connect more with the audience in more different forms? So yes, Anis, I have, uh, uh, I'm witness to uh, the entire transition and, uh, you know, before social media radio and after social media radio. Yes. So let me, let me put it this way that when the transition was happening, it was very shocking for us okay. because, because a radio jockey, uh, and I'm talking about a radio jockey, not an entertainer. And I'd like to mm-hmm. draw a difference here. Uh, mm-hmm. An entertainer uh, is, uh, um, you know, entertaining masses, uh, whether he's on stage or in front of a crowd or behind a mic. Yeah. But a radio jockey, and, and, and an entertainer is an extrovert soul. A radio jockey is a very introvert person. Really? And, and that's why that person is able to connect with another heart. Mm. Okay. Now, suddenly, this transition basically meant that I will have to, I will have to come in front of the world in a manner that I did not choose to. Let me give you my own example. I chose news reading on radio because I did not want to face a camera. Interesting. I, I wasn't comfortable in front of a camera. I, I didn't want to put makeup. I didn't want I didn't want people to look at me and get entertained. Yeah. I wanted to, and that's that was one of my reasons for joining news on radio. Hmm. And 
look where I am today. I'm in front of the camera, you know, yeah. oh, absolutely more time than I'm behind the mic on radio. Mm-hmm. And uh, so initially when the transition was happening, it was, it was very shocking and very unsettling for a lot of radio jockeys. In fact, even today, a lot of radio jockeys are pretty unsettled about the fact that they have to, you know, post their selfies and make videos and come in front of the camera. They're not comfortable. Okay, so I remember one song that had come at that point of time, Video Killed the Radio Star. Yeah. The song keeps... By Queen. Yeah. Absolutely. The song keeps haunting every now and then. So today it's almost like what social media killed the radio star, but radio can never die, you know. So, yeah, I mean, uh, saying media, medium uh, might change and you you might see a different face of radio and might go through transition and stuff. But the, so at that point of time when the transition was happening, it was shocking. But today, Anis, let me say this, um, after you have fought all those uh, little battles inside you um, regarding coming in front of the camera, accepting your looks, uh, basically um, keep on telling yourself that it is your content that matters and it is your content that you are trying to put across. You have to obviously, you know, I mean, it's like you get going to self-counseling and stuff that happens for some time. And then um, I told myself one day, I said, okay, Saima, enough. You know, mm-hmm. just like you look at the mic and you speak to another heart, this time you've got to look into the camera and speak to another heart. Hmm. I made one thing very clear that I cannot act to save my life. I cannot be somebody else. That is what yeah. radio has taught us, right? I mean, radio is a naked mm-hmm. medium. You are... Yeah. You are who you are on mic. Mm-hmm. You know, people who pretend to be somebody else, they die. They don't, they, they, they do not become successful radio jockeys. You've been saying one thing in this entire piece in the last segment that you've been, uh, you speak to another heart. Yeah. And you gave a reference of the education which you have taken on. And I see a linkage there. Uh, how do you take that knowledge which was in psychology and apply that into radio today when you're talking to somebody and uh, talking to another heart, as you say? Anis, you've got to, uh, uh, I think, you know, it's all about how you wish to live your life. I think mm-hmm. once you're able to answer that question and uh, the the answer doesn't come uh, easily very often, once mm-hmm. you're able to answer that question, a lot of a lot of uh, things get very clear. So uh, there there was a, there was a reason why I uh, pursued masters in social work, and I was mm-hmm. working with people uh, also trying to learn how you can work with people without financially helping them, without shelling out a penny from your pocket and helping them. How is that possible? Okay. Mm -hmm. So I learned that when I was doing my master's in social work. And during that course, I realized that, you know, it's about respecting every single individual, his life experiences. Um, For example, let me give you an example here, Anise. When uh, we started doing, uh, when I started the course of uh, social work, my first lecture, Okay, my Mm -hmm. first class was all about the very first principle of social work, which is the principle of acceptance. So the lecture, 
our teacher asked us so what do you under, what do you understand when i say principle of acceptance and all of us said that you know we have to accept people we are working with hmm. and the teacher said and the teacher said partially right partially wrong and we were like what how can it be wrong hmm. so she said principle of acceptance the very first step is that you need to become a person your people would accept hmm. so if i am working in a in a um, slum those hmm. people should be able to accept me of course i have to accept them but the first thing is they have to accept me so we said yeah. how how why would they not accept us hmm. you know we are such uh, what should i say a uh, privileged soul that we take things for granted so yeah. my teacher said that uh, uh, and what gives you that confidence that you will be accepted hmm. so it was all about putting questions in the mind and anis when we went down you know went to the field to work with mm-hmm. people okay mm-hmm. and that's where we uh, learned we don't have to work for people we have to work with people and the mm-hmm. first uh, principle of acceptance lasted for 3 months when okay. the slum constantly rejected my entry mm. and i said my god you know i mean look at this principle which we need to apply in every Uh, uh aspect of our lives from the friendship to uh, our parents to our relatives we just take it for granted that they would accept us we do nothing to get accepted so this principle of acceptance is so va- valid right now when you were talking and explaining it to me uh you know in business uh, which is mm-hmm. my corporate side it is so valuable we take things for granted in yeah. business yeah exactly and, and we don't even question it we just don't question the our, our, you know we we have a sense of entitlement you know that the might is right but who gave you that who gave you that pedestal to just climb high and so principle of accept that was the first now look at radio when i go on mic when i go when i when i switch on the mic and i speak if my voice has that sense of entitlement anis the person who's listening to me would reject me there and then and the connect can never be made it's very well put it's the same principle that i learned there and it's the principle of life that i learned there and i'm now applying every single thing that i learned there to my radio experience which taught me that people like Uh, people like me i'm not going to talk about others i am not meant to address a group or a community and give lectures i need mm. to stand with one person one individual one uh, one one soul who is longing to be heard this world is made of uh, people persons who have their individual identities Hmm. i have to stand by an individual the principle on radio is that you do not it's not one to many though that's yeah. the matrix and that's the business language but yeah. for a radio talkie the brief is it is a one to one 
on radio i'm talking to one person and i i i i practiced for years to hit that bullseye that whoever is listening to me should be able to feel that i'm only talking to him or her while i'm talking to many it's an art to learn uh, he has many people uh, even though experienced fail to do that very effectively whether it's talking over these mediums or having a conversation in a larger group yeah so yes i learned everything that i so i for me it's important it's important to live a life which is um which is not just which doesn't center around an i hmm. i have to share my life with uh with with others who might need me and i also believe anish that uh um you know god has given me uh so much n- not because i deserve it because mm. i should share it okay it's a trust that i would be able to do justice with people without being biased mm. and uh, i take that as a sense of responsibility also the fans uh, you know po- previously they would just listen to you over radio and they would know you through radio hmm. now as social media came about there were many other mediums where they could see you earlier they were only hearing you and they could also ping you directly through media hmm. earlier through radio they could only call up if there was a calling service available on your channel on radio channel now they can ping you so have you had situations where fans have uh, reached out to you uh approach to you and things uh went little out of hand for you so i if i understand it correctly basically you're saying that uh, had i had i have uh, did i have those fan moments where it was scary yes oh okay it uh, those fan moments happened even before social media became a reality even when i was on radio because uh, i've always uh, uh, you know apart from my radio show uh, we used to have exchanges on mails they could write to me i will write back and or they would you know send me a post mail and i would uh, acknowledge it and stuff so at that point of time a lot of uh, scary incidents did happen that i mean if i would tell you then you would say no no this is not possible but i've i've got uh, i've received letters written in blood ouch yeah and okay. and my colleagues used to pull my leg saying nahi nahi this is not like human blood this must be a chicken blood or something like that and i would say ki acha phir to theek hai but then when that guy landed up on our uh, uh, reception on in our office and we saw like the wrists slit and stuff then it was yeah so okay. yeah so i have um, i mean it sounds so dramatic but yes i have uh, and i have received these blood stained letters not from just one person but from some people uh, and mm-hmm. that's why i would always say on radio please don't think that i am a madhubala you know i would try <laughs> try and shatter their dreams saying that god you know please come yeah. and <laughs> so yeah that has happened then um, other things have also happened in the sense that you know uh, because see anis every every good thing has an ugly side to it yep. like i told that my what was my bullseye that 
whenever i talk on radio if you are a listener you should feel that i'm talking to you mm-hmm. so i i must share this story that uh, uh, i i when i was doing uh, the night show which was called purani hills bollywood's golden red golden eras uh, songs and stuff when i was doing that show in india now i do it for the american market but when i was doing this show in india uh, during my initial years there was a student of iit uh, who okay. came to the office and um, he he asked for me and i went and i met him and okay. he didn't look at me and he just uh, uh, you know slid a doctor's advice uh, slip and it was a psychiatrist notepad and he had written that the person who's sitting in front of me suffers from uh, uh, schizophrenia and uh, and the entire detailed note how he had started speaking to me on radio so he used to live all alone in a room and he used to listen to the show and each time i would speak he would talk to me wow and he got into that habit of talking to me uh, and that 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 led to the illness that he was currently in and the psychiatrist had actually suggested uh, that you go and meet her and understand how it happens she is not talking to you hmm so he had come and i took him around and i took him to the engineer's room and showed him the technology and explained but anis he had fallen into an illness and he basically refused to accept that i was talking to anybody else but him wow and it took me 7 months of uh, writing to him every single day about his queries and explaining it to him to convince that listen i'm not talking to you i'm i had to actually tell him that i'm not talking to you hmm. so which from, is different from your ethos which you had tried yeah, to build on yeah but i mean the 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 intention was not to make somebody fall ill hmm. you know so from 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 those things to uh, people coming into office and threatening the security guard saying that if she doesn't marry me then i'm going to you know put the entire building to fire and stuff all those things have happened i mean they hmm. keep happening actually but yeah so those scary fan moments have happened but what do i do i mean i remember abhi few days back anis there was this one guy he was sloshed okay and he had come yeah. with a bouquet and gifts and all that and like amitabh bachchan with a bottle in his hand you know he's uh, uh, shouting uh, from outside okay. the gate that call her today is our wedding day and okay <laughs> security guards are like you know they, they actually they were calling and saying do you know this guy i said you know how is out of your mind how would i know him so he said no but he's saying that it's your wedding day i said my god please hmm. you know you please tell him to go back he did not and uh, a police had to be called and the police guys took him and i felt very bad in it so i called him from a landline to explain that you know get your sense uh, together it when i called this chap was so confident i mean i just said hello and he goes he tells cops stop the car she has called and i'm like hmm. what what kind of confidence is that yeah wow Yeah. So yeah, these things. I guess. I mean, they. No, I'm for for a person who's listening. Uh, from my side, at least, uh, it may sound childish, but for a person like you to be in that moment is scary as well. Yeah, it's very uh, scary, actually. Yeah. 
so no, I empathize with you. But talking about radio, uh, also, now technology has also disrupted, like you were talking about, you were a news reader. Now mm-hmm. people consume news uh, from various uh, channels. And there was an interesting presentation I did a year ago with somebody, and this was when the world was novel, uh, where we spoke about, and I actually did with an executive who was running a radio in in the international market. And he, that person said that, you know, our eyes are maxed out, but our ears are not. And that's a beautiful medium where we can pass our messages. How do you Absolutely. feel tech has really impacted careers in radio? And do you see that happening? I mean, uh, I would always uh, try and see um, the good part in okay. uh, you know, in any change that happens, because I truly believe that there is something good hidden, and I need to find that out. So I told you the transition was difficult, but once the transition happened, and look today, I keep telling my younger colleagues that you know, you guys have entered radio in a golden age because you are not dependent on anybody for your marketing and promotion. You can build a platform of your own. The world is open to different ideas and you can find your own community and group of people and take your content ahead. I mean, you know, earlier we had to convince our radio stations that, listen, I I wish to be a storyteller. But what if your brand uh, tells you that, no, no, we are not into the business of storytelling. Today, whatever you wish to do, you are good at. You can showcase the talent, do it with conviction, earn your views, earn your followers. And if you become a brand, then the 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 uh, you know the parent brand would support you. Hmm. So and I'm a living example of that. I mean, Mirchi uh, is all about entertainment. You know, make people mm-hmm. happy, make people uh, laugh, and all that. And I am a brand of poetry. Yes. And you know, when I wanted to do it on radio, Mirchi was very hesitant, saying that no, this is not our promise. Not everybody listens to poetry, and they're right. Not yes. everybody listens to poetry. But I once agree. I became a brand, then Mirchi is only too happy to project me as the voice of poetry because I've given them what they want, the popularity, the brand value. So mm-hmm. I, I, I look at this entire age as something that is fascinating. I don't have just one medium where I can rise and shine and make my content you know, uh, reach many people. I have five platforms, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and I can do different. Every person is multifaceted. You have you yep. are you know you have so many talent, and if you have more than one medium, you can just showcase different talent on different mediums. So, for example, on radio, Anis, today I do a show. So mm-hmm. I basically one day sat down and I was pretty bogged down with all these comments saying you know, radio is not the same and radio is dying and not many people are listening to it mm-hmm. and all that. I said, okay, so the responsibility of keeping the radio alive is on my shoulders now. Saima, what are you going yep. to do on radio which will make radio shine again? And I thought, I said, I'm going to do something on radio which cannot be done on any other medium. What is it? And I found the answer and that's the show that I'm doing. I'm mm-hmm. doing a show where magic happens which is only okay. possible in the world of radio. So it's called, uh, in, in, in uh, Hindi we say, 
हर मर्ज की दवा and yep. in english basically the belief is every problem has a solution so i basically tell my listeners if you're listening to me right now and not smiling then you have a reason not to smile which can be a worry which can be a stress which can be a, an unanswered question i understand you don't want to go to your family or parents and discuss it i understand you don't want to discuss it with your friends because they might judge you or they might not have the solution but listen there is a world where you if you just talk about your problem there would be lakhs and crores of people who would be listening to you somebody would have gone through that struggle somebody might be struggling somebody might be a professional who can help you come out of it or uh, somebody can just help you uh, sail through it so just do one thing call on my studio number i will not ask you your name you will not be seen just put your problem in front of the entire city and then i open the lines for others to call me back and anis there has not been a problem till you know i've been doing this for 2 years now every day people have problems and i listen to their problems and i say ab iska kya solution hoga but somebody or the other would call up and help that person come out of it wow that's amazing and it's not possible on any other medium hmm. so for me radio is that perfect world which we want to create where we make friends uh who we don't have to see their face will not decide whether we'll befriend them their religion will not decide whether we would befriend them their mm. skin color will not decide whether we would befriend them their economic situation won't their caste won't it's just one heart connecting to another yeah and that's it there's a problem that ceo would put on my show and that would be uh you know addressed by a driver Hmm. and the ceo would follow it because he doesn't know that the person who just gave him the solution is a driver hmm. so That's, so yeah it's profound I mean, what you're doing abs- exactly so you know i mean and i don't do anything like I, i'm saying isn't this social work i mean that that is why we are yes. all alive that's why we are all alive that you know if I, if i can just help one soul that's yes. it and i'm just like you know making them connect that's it you spoke about poetry and uh, you being a poetry advocate and uh, that's been a big passion for you and there are many shows which you do as well on youtube uh, on linkedin as well professionally mm-hmm. and um, i'm an avid follower on linkedin i would say because uh, i do wait to hear any of those recitals which you may have of different artists um and you've spoken about poetry being a big medium which has helped you to uh think about your self your career what you would want to be in life as well um i hope i've done my research right but that's what i have come to know that poetry has been a big influence for you yeah i and i uh, must talk about this that as a kid uh, or as even a college going student i always used to feel why do people write poetry or why do they you know hear it because what's the point of living in a dream world or imagining something that doesn't exist yeah uh, so you know i was a very practical person people used to like uh, all those people who were following their heart at that point of time would actually uh, make those sarcastic comments at me saying you're too practical you know and all that and i would never mm. understand i'll tell you why poetry is important and i i uh, came across this one interview 
um, when I was doing my research for my radio show uh, and Bollywood's golden era, so I was doing the research on Dilip Kumar, and I came okay. across this one um, interview of his, very old interview, where the interviewer uh, basically said that the world doesn't know, but you also write poetry, and uh, Dilip Kumar uh, said, "Well, I try." So, why do you write poetry? Why do you read poetry? Because Dilip Kumar was actually, you know, uh, quoting a lot of couplets and stuff. And he said just one thing, Anis, and that's been an eye-opening sentence for me. He said, "Listen, if you need to understand and know who you originally are or were before hmm. the society and its rules and regulations tamed you." how you were originally created what is your heart and soul all about how are you as an unadulterated being if you want to know that who the real you is you need to read poetry because you know which kind of poetry would appeal to you only the one that your heart or soul Or mind resonates with, and why you you would you would try and understand why do you like this couplet so much more, and it'll stay with you. That the the answer is in the question itself. Okay, hmm. so so uh, poetry is liberating. Hmm. We go through so many emotions, and we think about so many things. but yes. we have not articulate enough we can't say it uh, exactly how we feel it or how we think yes. about it we keep struggling with words hmm. and poets have actually uh, given the meaning of life in a couplet hmm. and that's it so that's why i'm very fascinated with uh, poetry and work of literature because you you have all the answers there i mean um, i i am a huge fan of sadatha sanmanto the storyteller hmm. and why do i like his stories anish because he wrote all those stories 70 years back yep and it's like he wrote them today and i understand yeah. that the society will go through those emotions and what should be my role what should be my role I will find an answer to this question of today in a story that's written seventy years back. Yeah, and and you know many of those, uh, like we spoke about it earlier in this conversation, that a lot of poetry and the words have many, and they they can live forever. Uh, it's not necessary it's built for an era or a type or a generation those can be inferred in any generation as well or any moment also and you're so right that many of these poets have had far too uh thinking in many ways that they could think too far ahead and say that the poem would live forever it's not going to be for that particular day or that moment which they were in at that time yes and i mean uh, and that is what makes it immortal and 
also amazed that I mean look at the beauty of these couplets they can fit into any situation for example that couplet of Ghalib which I recently kind of you know tried uh, explaining Dil hi to hai na sangokhish says eat patthar dard se bhar na aye kyun roenge hum hazar bar koi hume rulaye kyun now the context can vary it can be a lover talking about his unrequited love yeah. it can person talking about uh, the god yeah. okay or let's say in today's context it can be an unemployed youth talking to the government saying mm-hmm. well i will have struggles in my life and i my heart will be filled with pain and sorrow but who are you to cause it all so one couplet can just fit into anything and everything and they write it uh, in a certain context and it just gets adapted to different people's lives so beautifully yeah. i mean i can say this to my boss <laughs> sure <laughs> i i would love to do that too so <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's Uh, no you are so bang on and on that particular point that you know there have been so many you know songs or ghazals or uh, even just basic recitals of poets which you know i have seen people uh, my even my own father god bless him and god bless his soul uh, you know he was a big advocate of ghazals right he would have people come together and do these ghazal shows and i could see as a child that you know as the individuals are reciting those poems or those they need not have written it themselves they are reciting somebody else's poet but the entire crowd is crying um, and it's not necessary they are all crying because they are all in the same situation they come from a different background they come from a different culture yeah but something has hit in that poem which you know just invokes an emotion which is is similar at a point so no you you bang on and i've seen that happening with my own eyes uh, and i today relate to so many poems if i want to if i'm demotivated or if i'm a little bit low you know you listen to some of them and you know you're just settled in many ways and the pen is mightier than the sword is not just a saying i mean yeah. all these poets have created revolutions even today uh you know we fear a poet like fez hmm you know the government becomes is scared if i'm reciting fez hmm. can you believe it it's just like a poetry but yeah. it 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 hits you it basically it it is it is a revolution that that uh, that that happens in an individual and you can change the direction that's what i'm saying that you know all these all these mm, uh work of poetry or literature they were not meant to just entertain i mean they give me a direction in life and that's exactly what every soul on this earth is looking for yeah we all have like you know bunch of unanswered questions and we're looking for answers and these are the lines which actually give you a direction if they i do. am you know i'm they they give you that uh, flicker of hope as you put it i mean if i don't know what i have to do today 
there's so much of injustice happening around uh, what should i do i mean i can easily get depressed but i'm looking for that one flicker of hope i'm looking for that one uh, you know one one um, piece of writing which would actually show me a way out mm. and invariably these uh, these uh, work of poetry and literature they do that they give you the 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 so called direction in life so yeah Switching gears and kind of building on what you just said, has there been any mentor whom you look up to? Uh, my father. Okay. Yeah, I think um, he's a fine balance of uh, mind and heart, hmm. and um, I have always, always seen him uh, living a very practical life because since childhood. he's had many responsibilities and he could have easily been an uh, uh, an individual who would have got bogged down with the struggles and challenges and unending challenges of life and not living his life his way because uh bachpan mein you don't have the money then when you start working you get married then you have you know burden of the family and all of that so all your youth goes into shouldering responsibility and saying Uh, and and living a life of a responsible individual but he today he's a poet the day he retired from his um, associate professor uh, wala position he became a poet he started right. writing urdu poetry like the next and every day he would write a nazm or a ghazal and uh, you know i would like go to him and i say what what has happened like we never knew that you could write poetry he said so so didn't i Hmm. but it it happens it it dawns on you you can't learn to write poetry it dawns no, on you you can't yeah. it, dawns it dawns on you, on you. so yeah. uh, so he said it dawns and that is when he when he started writing is when i actually got to see his heart hmm. and um, i'm like oh my god matlab you know it's it's all there hope yeah. and optimism and belief and uh, gratitude and uh, so much romance i mean i was very uh, uh, i was petrified for my mother when he started okay. so many romantic poetry okay said, hello is there anybody else in your life <laughs> <laughs> i'm so, sure he would have said no it's your mother no 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 he doesn't laugh no? no okay, <laughs> okay. No, but you know, I mean, um, both of us believe, and I'm sure, like many others, that yeah, yeah I mean, you do, you you fall in love. It's not in your, I mean, you don't decide who yeah. you won't fall in love with. I mean, basically, yeah. uh, you get to know if you have fallen in love with somebody. So it's not in your hands. So nothing there. But uh, I mean, he. I, then I got to learn that you can write a poetry without even, even fall, falling even in love that. with somebody. Yeah. You can, you can, you can feel it. That's another learning. that you don't have to go through somebody else's struggle in order to understand what that person is going through hmm. why can't you understand that he is he just needs somebody he or he he just needs somebody to listen hmm. those little things so yeah um so yeah all of that started and my father was another reason why i actually became very close to poetry and i had to learn poetry because uh I would recite his uh, writings 
and we would get into an endless argument when you would say yes. you did not stress this word correctly and yes. you did not do that whatever correctly and i'm like oh my god like every day this man is really hitting my performance like <laughs> okay <laughs> so i said i i need to like get closer to the art yeah and in urdu you have to have your talaffuz right uh, you have to have your uh, the dialect right to stress on those words or those specific letters because any, any language for that matter anish i'm i'm a yeah. very i'm i'm a purist when it comes to language so when you're speaking english you've got to respect the diction and the tone mm-hmm. and the words uh, and you can't keep fighting saying oh you know this word i i want to pronounce it the indian way i don't understand that at all okay i mean yeah. english is not an indian language so let's not yeah. and if you speak in urdu please when you speak it should sound like urdu when you speak in hindi it should sound like hindi when you're speaking in punjabi it should sound like punjabi so i'm i'm a purist that way uh and um, uh, yeah so any language and uh, yep. urdu for sure because one nukta here and there and you're gone i mean khuda becomes yeah. a gadda yeah it's it's very very scary in many ways if you recite it in a wrong way because people can take very different meanings absolutely and on that particular point i know i'm uh, we are in between your shows uh, and i don't want to take much of your time but before you go and i definitely would love to hear this thought from you is there are a lot of aspiring especially there's a lot of conversation today in today's time about diversity it is the women's month international women's month right now also and we are just celebrating our women's week and women's day uh, you know what about young women girls who would love to get into radio or you know build their career there what would your advice be to them anis i uh, i would just say one thing uh, we are going through the best of times when the world is the, the, when when the sky is the limit for you you wish to showcase your talent i i'm assuming that they wish to showcase their talent and that's why they come into radio and i'm saying you don't have just one medium you have so many hmm. and in order to be success, in order to be a successful radio jockey you've got to be a popular radio jockey hmm. and if there are other medium media which are supporting uh your cause of becoming popular then i think they should make the most of it and remember that it's not the looks which would get you uh popular on social media all alone hmm. it would be your content it will be your it it would be your honesty your conviction your um uh, anybody who wants to become a radio jockey should remember that that they are not the touch me not celebrities they're the friends next door yep and uh, this world has very less friends if they can if they can be the loyal and the loving and the understanding and the patient friend to another person then um, it's it's just a big 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 opportunity out there okay beautifully said uh, and a great uh, advice uh, to the young aspirants saima thank you for your time 
do you want to recite a, a favorite poet of yours before you say bye to my audience, which probably energizes them? Okay. So um, let me just try to find something nice. Okay, let me recite uh, a revolutionary poet okay. uh, who inspires me a lot. Okay. His, his pen name is Pash. Okay. okay. And the poetry that I'm going to recite is called Sabse Khatarnaak Hota Hai. So he writes, मेहनत की लूट सबसे खतरनाक नहीं होती, पुलिस की मार सबसे खतरनाक नहीं होती, गद्दारी और लोभ की मुट्ठी सबसे खतरनाक नहीं होती, बैठे बिठाए पकड़े जाना बुरा तो है, सहमी सी चुप में जकड़े जाना बुरा तो है, सबसे खतरनाक नहीं होता। कपट के शोर में सही होते हुए भी दब जाना बुरा तो है जुगनुओं की लॉ में पढ़ना मुट्ठियां भीजकर बस वक्त निकाल लेना बुरा तो है सबसे खतरनाक नहीं होता सबसे खतरनाक होता है मुर्दा शांति से भर जाना तड़प का ना होना सब कुछ सहन कर जाना घर से निकलना काम पर और काम से लौटकर घर आना सबसे खतरनाक होता है हमारे सपनों का मर जाना सबसे खतरनाक वो घड़ी होती है आपकी कलाई पर चलती हुई भी जो आपकी नजर में रुकी होती है सबसे खतरनाक वो आंख होती है जिसकी नजर दुनिया को मोहब्बत से चूमना भूल जाती है और जो एक घटिया दोहराव के क्रम में खो जाती है सबसे खतरनाक वो गीत होता है जो मर्सीए की तरह पढ़ा जाता है आतंकित लोगों के दरवाजों पर गुंडों की तरह करता है सबसे खतरनाक वो चांद होता है जो हर हत्याकांड के बाद वीरान हुए आंगन में चढ़ता है लेकिन आपकी आंखों में मिर्चों की तरह नहीं गिरता सबसे खतरनाक वो दिशा होती है जिसमें आत्मा का सूरज डूब जाए और जिसकी मुर्दा धूप का कोई टुकड़ा आपके जिस्म के पूरब में चुप जाए मेहनत की लूट सबसे खतरनाक नहीं होती पुलिस की मार सबसे खतरनाक नहीं होती गद्दारी और लोभ की मुट्ठी सबसे खतरनाक नहीं होती सबसे खतरनाक होता है हमारे सपनों का मर जाना वाओ ओके आई हैव नेवर हर्ड अबाउट इट बट इट्स डेफिनेटली एनर्जाइजिंग थैंक यू for that uh Sama, and thanks a lot for this time uh it's definitely been an enriching conversation and keep please keep doing what you're doing because uh, that definitely has an impact on many of us thanks a lot anish i loved uh, chatting with you and uh, like we discussed in the beginning that it's always nice to have a chat we just you know kind of takes its own flow because it's all about mind heart and soul and yep uh, yes i i just want to say one thing anish to anybody and everybody who's listening that uh, we sometimes we get really bogged down with uh, a challenging phase that comes uh, mm. in our lives yeah but we need to understand one thing 
it is nothing that happens without a purpose and we need to find the purpose in that and we need to be patient about it uh, all the bad things that happen in our lives are not there to cause us pain are not there to test us they are there to make us even better even more strong and uh stable for the life ahead because perhaps we underestimated ourselves and this is the time to you know rise up to the occasion and take it all along we need to learn from our fears we need, need to learn from our pain it's difficult but it's the strongest and the more lasting lesson that life could offer so whenever you're going through a bad time hang in there and let it pass the beauty of time is that it goes away it doesn't when we say that the pain is not going away we should remember that somewhere we are not letting it go and we are all there for each other with each other thank you for those amazing parting thoughts saima thank you for your time and thank you anil uh, best of luck with what you're doing and uh, keep changing life thank you so much anil thanks a lot thank you for listening in and we close yet another episode of masters decoded if you've enjoyed the episode please you can help us out by sharing it on social media I would personally appreciate that. It's how we can reach more listeners and the more listeners we have, the more awesome guests I can get in touch and convince to participate in these conversations. That are a joy to have for me and I hope they are a joy for you to listen as well. You can also help a lot leaving reviews on iTunes or your podcast service of choice. Reviews are surprisingly helpful in supporting the podcast to get to more listeners. If this episode has intrigued you, I would request you to subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date and get notified to the future episodes. With that, I bid you and see you in the next episode.